Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. We're so glad you've joined us for this week's podcast. Dr. Kelly is currently leading us through a series entitled Hope Rising. The best is yet to come. Here's Dr. Kelly with this week's podcast. How are we doing? Doing good. Hey, welcome again. We're glad you're here. Will you just kind of celebrate all the campuses? There's just a bunch of them. Just give it up right now. Welcome all the campuses. They welcome you as well. I welcome you at Hit Central, and we're just so thrilled. Hey, come on now. We're just going to reflect today a little bit. We're going to think about some things. Who is genuinely excited about Hope Rising? Hey guys, it's building, it's on, it's on, and we're talking about a week from today, we will come together for one of the largest, most incredible days in the history of our church. I want you to know I'm praying for you, I hope you're praying for me, I hope you're praying for your church, and I gotta tell you, I've been blown away at just the level of excitement that I am sensing all over the movement. I've had, here's the number one question people are asking me, the number one question, because as you know, a lot of people have already pledged. And by the way, here's the number as of Friday. Now, on an $8.6 million goal, reach, teach, and release, all the campuses, central campus, mission field, all of that stuff. As of Friday, the new pledge amount is $2,515,828.62 as of Friday. Unbelievable. Two and a half million dollars have already been pledged, and we have first fruits pledged of five hundred and sixty thousand dollars, nine hundred and sixteen dollars and sixty-two cents of first fruits. And first fruits, you know, what we're asking people is if there's any way possible you can to bring 10% of your pledge next Sunday that will mitigate construction costs, maximize advancing the kingdom of God. Incredible stuff is happening. And here's the most popular question I'm getting asked all the time. Here it is. Pastor, can I change my pledge? To which I have been answering, yes. So long as it is upwards. (laughs) For real. You know what I'm saying? God God will not lead you to give less than you were planning. God is leading us. God's going to be stretching us. And so it is going to be a big, big Sunday next week. Everybody say hope rising. rising. Everybody say the best is yet to come. I think you can do a little bit better than that. I know you're a little lethargic today because here's why. This always happens. When it starts to get chillier. People chillier. I just created a word. Somebody's laughing at my word. Chilly. When it starts to become more chilly. How's that? I can hear what y'all do out there. When it starts to become more chilly. Here's what we do. We, 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 number one, we have a hard time getting out of bed. You know what I'm saying? And then number two, we just kind of show up in church and we're a little more, a little more stiff, right? And so I want to try to get you going today, all right? Ready? Everybody say, hope rising. hope rising. Everybody say, the best is yet to come. Yet. That is much, much Better. So I want to say real quickly to the life group leaders here, life group leaders and all of you who are in life groups, if you study the life group curriculum, the booklet, the subject matter for next week, the final week, I've actually felt led to do today. I flip-flopped it. And the message that I was going to do today on surrender, we're actually doing that next Sunday. So today, I am going to talk to you about the subject matter of commitment. About what? 
And if you're a note taker, and I know so many of you are, grab your teaching notes, turn it over, grab that pen in front of you, and write this down. Or if you take notes on your phone or your tablet or whatever, write this down because this is the statement that I am going to use to drive deep into the message today. It will be the statement that governs everything else I say today. Here it is. True commitment always involves a significant sacrifice. Why don't you read that out loud with me? Ready? Go. True commitment always involves a significant sacrifice. Have you ever thought about that? It's true, isn't it? Think about people who exude commitment in a number of things, right? You take your pick. True commitment, not shallow commitment. True commitment always involves a significant sacrifice. Let me show you what I mean, okay? Exactly. The men and women who serve our country, America. The men and women who serve our country and lay it on the line and enable us to live in what I believe. And I know our country's jacked up and I know things are looking bad and all that kind of stuff. But I still believe America is the greatest country in the land. I still love the United States of America. The men and women who serve our country understand that commitment always involves a significant sacrifice. Sometimes the ultimate sacrifice of giving their lives so that we can enjoy this great land. Here's another one. Tell me I'm not right. Oh, right? You have a baby today and you tell me that commitment to that child does not involve a significant sacrifice. Come on now. And by the way, by the way, a little side note here. That's why so many people jet on raising their children. That's why a lot of people in this country or a lot of kids in this country grow up without a dad. And sometimes without a mom, right? Because true commitment always involves just a significant sacrifice. And let me just put this in, in, in um, real terms for you. I'm riding home the other day, and I don't always listen to NPR, but I like to every now and then when I'm just sick of words and I'm sick of all the music. I was listening to NPR. Check this out. They gave a number. They said, hey, at the end of the next commercial break, we're going to let you know what it will cost to raise a child in the 21st century. And I'm thinking, hmm. So I'm riding down the road, and I start taking guesses at it. I'm thinking, you know, got to be about $100,000, right? $100,000 it probably takes to raise a child today. Well, I, I stayed tuned. <laughs> I stayed tuned. They came back on after the commercial break. Do you know, and, 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 and married people, who, you don't have kids yet. You need to know this. <laughs> it will take, in the 21st century, $254,000 as an average to raise up a little biscuit snatcher. <laughs> In the way of the Lord. 250. And by the way, they said that was middle class. Middle class. 254. You better think about it before you had that child. And I'm all about I got five. Like I love having children. Keep them coming. But you need to know what you're getting into. I know. I did the same thing right there. I did that too. True commitment 
always involves a significant sacrifice. If you're going to be married, and again, this is why a lot of the uh, marriages end in divorce, and I'm not broad stroking, and I know everybody's got their reasons and scenarios, but the truth is a lot of reasons why marriages end up in divorce is because that commitment till death do you part, that commitment requires a significant sacrifice. Amen. Single people, this is why you need to be very careful about who you marry and make sure you understand the sacrifice that comes along with it. Here, here, here's another one. If you are committed to making your child happy at Disney World, it, it will require a significant sacrifice. Again, you know, just starting out married people, you don't have kids yet, you need to know this. Whenever you start down 95 to Disney World, unless I've been there three or four times, I know. You might as well get ready every time your child just breaks a smile. You might as well stroke a check for $400. (laughs) It just costs, man. It just costs. And, And a commitment to Disney World, a commitment to taking your kids will cost you something. Why? Because a true commitment always requires a significant sacrifice. College degrees. I got a lot of college graduates in this here. Like, you know, some of you are here. You graduated from college. You're still paying off your college loans. Amen. And some of you high school graduates and stuff, listen, you need to work hard and get a scholarship. To which all the parents said, (laughs) exactly, exactly. Like, it costs, man, a commitment to a college education requires a significant Sacrifice. Some of you know this all too well. Here's one more. The message of the gospel is that God was so committed to you. God was so committed to me. God was so committed to the world that it required what? A sacrifice. A sacrifice whereby God gave everything he had so that you and I could have a relationship with him. Here's the verse that grounds the gospel. Let's read it out loud. Ready? Go. For God so loved the world that he... That he what? That he gave his one and only son. That... What's what's this word right here? That what? Who... I don't know about you. I'm, I'm excited about the whoever... Because the whoever included me. The whoever included you. I love that song that we sing. Listen, if it wasn't for Jesus, we'd still be all alone. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever, it not only involves you. It not only includes everybody at the campuses. It not only includes those of you who are listening to this on the internet around the world. The whoever involves everyone. That you'll never lock eyes with anyone for whom Jesus Christ didn't come that they might have abundant life. I'm excited about the whoever. That whoever what? Believes in him shall shall not perish but have, or some translations say, have eternal life. So I want to talk to you about that today. Again, here's the statement. True commitment modeled in in every living human being who has ever been committed to anything and modeled in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, true commitment always involves a significant 
sacrifice. Open your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Unbelievable passage of Scripture. Just to kind of show you what I mean about this sacrifice. Jesus came. Paul would then start to write the New Testament. And Paul would write the church at Rome. And he would start to talk about this commitment. And he would start to talk about why commitment always involves a sacrifice. Unbelievable passage of Scripture. Here it is. Ready? Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as... Good job. As what? Holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So Paul is saying to the church, I would say to the church today, listen, the call of the Christian is to offer your bodies in view of God's mercy, to offer them as what? Living sacrifices. Holy and pleasing to God. Now watch this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Right? But be, what's that word? Be what? But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what is God's will, what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. That's why I'm excited about talking to you about giving your finances sacrificially. Like, I'll get excited about it. I'm truly excited about that as a church. And I know some of you are excited and some of you are trying to get excited. But listen, I will never apologize for talking to you about what the Bible talks so clearly about. And I will not apologize as we get closer and closer to the grand finale next weekend to say to you, listen, here is a golden opportunity for you to give sacrificially to reach, teach, and release. And I just thought it would be great on this Sunday right before the grand finale to just be real about that. This is a golden opportunity and we will not accomplish it unless every single person who considers this their church home says, you know what, I'm going to give sacrificially to that. I'm not only committed to it with lip service, but I am going to give sacrificially so that God can use me in this grand redemptive story on planet Earth. And so to do that, I want to talk to you about three levels of giving. Three levels of giving. And I'm going to come back here and I'm going to show you what's on this table. This has been driving some of you crazy. Some of you are like, what is on the table? Oh, oh thank you, Jesus. Chick-fil-A. Chocolate chip cookies. Have you eaten these? If you have not eaten these, you need to go to Chick-fil-A. And I hate to tell you, you can't go today. <laughs> anybody, uh, anybody ever get a craving for Chick-fil-A on Sundays, man? What is it about that? I, I, I always get the craving. I pulled up in there on Sundays before. I went up to the drive-thru one day on a Sunday. Nobody was in the parking lot but me and Jesus. And then I realized, oh, it's Sundays. Chick-fil-A, I could eat there seven times a day. Oh, I'm in love with Chick-fil-A. 
suddenly I see waffle fries in front of me and a big large cup of sweet iced tea. Oh, I'm in love with Chick-fil-A. Come on now. Come on now. <laughs> listen, man, if you haven't been to Chick-fil-A, listen, you need Jesus. And you can't just go there. You, you have to eat the Chick-fil-A sauce. You know what I'm saying? It, it may, some of you have been eating there a long time and you've never tried the Chick-fil-A sauce because here's why. They don't give that stuff out. You've got to ask for it. It's that daggum good. And it must be that expensive. So my whole family will bust up in there, seven of us, man. And you, you always have to say, hey, can, can, can I have some Chick-fil-A sauce? And it's in a little container about that big. And it is golden. I mean, looking golden and golden delicious. And, and they always ask this. If you work at Chick-fil-A, you're a little stingy with your Chick-fil-A sauce. Because they always ask you how much you want. And again, my family of seven, man, we place the order. And I say, <clears throat> can I have some of your Chick-fil-A sauce? And they'll say, yes, sir, how much do you need? I'm like, 24 packs. <laughs> and they always finish it up with, my pleasure, right? Chick-fil-A, man. So I need, I need a volunteer. I need a, uh, Marcy, would you come here? Marcy, would you come here? Marcy, Marcy, Marcy. Oh, Marcy. Give it up for Marcy. Would you give it up for Marcy? Marcy, ha- have, you, have you ever enjoyed one of these? Yeah, yeah, they're, they're about 1,000 calories per cookie. Glory, hallelujah. Yeah. So, so the, the, the way I'm going to do this today, church, is I'm going to teach on three levels of giving by using Chick-fil-A, which means it's going to be extra godly. <laughs> and so uh, here's, here's 10 Chick-fil-A cookies, Marcy. And it's been really hard for me not to eat one this morning. But I wanted to give you 10. And so the first, the first level of giving that I want to talk to you about today is tithing. It's what? Tithing. I know it's a churchy word, but listen, it is a biblical word. And it runs all the way throughout the Old Testament and into the New Testament. Go read Matthew 23, right? Go read 1 Corinthians when Paul's talking to the church in Corinth. Tithing. Tithing is the bare minimum that a person who is following Jesus uh, reaches in their giving. Tithing is when somebody understands that God has given me every single thing I have... And so as a result of that, I'm going to bring 10% back into the storehouse. Go read Malachi. Into the storehouse of God, I'm going to return a tithe. The word is apodicato. And it literally means a tenth. It means a what? A tenth. So, so Marcy, I'm going to give you 10 cookies. Now, Marcy, I'm going to give you those, but I'm going to ask you to do something. And, you, you act, and we, haven't, we haven't prepared this. We haven't practiced this at all. Marcy, it's totally up to you. My whole sermon will fall apart if you don't do what I ask you to do. But, <laughs> but we haven't practiced it. Marcy, um, I'm going to give you 10. Um, I, I own the cookies. And I just, just imagine that we live in a cookie economy. And I, I have all the cookies. And so I've given you 10. Marcy, I'm wondering if you will give me one of those cookies. Would, would you be so kind to just give me one cookie? You picked out just the one I would pick. Chick-fil-A. No, no, no. Marcy just gave a tithe of the cookies. Tithing is the way in which God funds his movement in the world. 
It's not through bake sales or car washes. The way in which God's word has orchestrated that we fund the movement of redeeming people into the image of Jesus Christ is through tithing. So, Marcy, you did great with that, and I'm going to enjoy that later. I am going to tear it up. But I, I'm just wondering if you would, if you would give a little bit more. And, and remember, Marcy, because I, I can bless you, and I can bless these people because I am the little G God of the cookie economy. And I'm just wondering, <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but it felt kind of good. Notice I said little G. Um, would, you, would you please give me two more cookies? Two more cookies. Marcy, you have now given me three. You, you have how many left? I know you're, you're probably brilliant in math. You have seven cookies left. What Marcy just gave me, the first cookie she gave me is the tithe. She gave me the tithe. The second two cookies that she gave me would be what I would call in the Bible offerings. And in the Bible, it's very, very clear that the tithe is the minimum that God's people gives. It's, it's what God calls us to do to fund His church. But then throughout the entire Bible, there's all these passages of Scripture about offerings. Which, by the way, this should help you uh, realize why maybe when you grew up in the church, pastors like myself would say, we bring our tithes and what? You might, have, you, never, you might not have ever known where that comes from. Today, we're going to receive God's tithes and offering. So in the biblical sense, tithes is the apodicato, the, the, it's the 10%. Offerings are from those who want to give above and beyond the tithe. But then there's this other level of giving. Again, I'm just trying to point out that there are three levels in the Bible. Here's the third level. And Marcy, I'm just wondering, I know it's a lot to ask. And I, I know you and your family would love to just demolish these cookies. Um, I'm wondering if you would give me three more I know it's a lot to ask. Would you, she, she, she doesn't look so enthusiastic about this one. Marcy, would, would you... Oh. Now, you know what Marcy just did? You add all that up. Three, two, one. Marcy has given, in a way, commensurate to what the Bible calls extravagant giving. It's called what, church? Extravagant giving. Giving. Now, now, Marcy, I told you that I would bless you, and you have been so faithful. So you have, you have four left, but I'd like to give you a, a little bit more than that. Can, can somebody help me from the back? Because when you, when you get your financial house in order, this is what some of us have never really understood. Thank you, Javon. You have two honking platters of chocolate chip cookies. Would you give it up for Marcy? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. When you put God first in your finances, favor and blessings come your way. Now, sometimes it's financial, but sometimes it's not. But it does not negate the fact, listen to me, that when you honor God with your finances, God will bless your life. Can I get an Amen. And some of us have our finances cursed because we have not put God first. Oh, my Lord, tweet that. Some of us have our finances cursed because we've not put God first. 
And what we wanted to do today was we just wanted to show you there's three levels of giving. Now, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I've said the whole time you're going to have to decide. But I will, get, I will tell you this. We have decided, by the way, because Marcy has been such a good player. We have decided to bless every single one of you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So on your way out today, don't, don't miss this. At every single door on your way out, the ushers and the greeters are going to give you these cookie coupons. Free cookie coupons for you to go to Chick-fil-A, any Chick-fil-A, and get a cookie. And some of you skeptics out there are going, well, I can't go today. It's Sunday. Shut up. You didn't have any cookies before you got here. I did just say that in church. Please don't send me your emails. On the back, there's a sticker that says compliments of New Hope Church. Every one of you, you're going to get two cookie coupons. Two. Two. No, 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 no. Now, you just got too carried away because I'm about, I'm, about I'm about to bring it down. You ready? I'm going to give you how many? I want you to give one away. I want you to give one away. <laughs> Some of you are like, I think I want to clap for that. <laughs> you get two. How many you give away? It's extravagant giving. You give it to somebody. It's got a sticker on it. got a New Hope sticker on it. It could be somebody you want to invite to church. Say, hey, I'd love to have you come to church. Give them that. could just be somebody at the line. But give somebody. And just so I can frame this text, and we're really going to wrap up today because it's not, I just, I just don't feel led. I think all the preaching has pretty much been done. Right, we're, we're landing this plane next Sunday. So I'm not going to draw it out, but I do want to point out one passage of Scripture as we close up. Go to John 12. John 12. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter 12. John chapter 12. And I want to talk to you about this incredible passage of Scripture. Some of you have heard me talk about this in different environments. I would actually say it's been the passage that has just gripped me the most during Hope Rising. In John chapter 12, the Bible says this, six days before the Passover. So Jesus is going to the Passover, right? He's fixed his eyes on the cross. He's nearing the end of his life. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. You know that story. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took a pint of pure nard. Some of you are like, what in the world is nard? I've hugged some of you ladies today. You have it on you. <laughs> Seriously, nard in those days, it was, a, it was an exquisite, expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his hair, his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. I think our church is about to be filled with the fragrance of commitment and sacrifice. Amen. Wow. Right? Now watch this. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, hello, whenever Judas is read in the Bible, you might be new to the Christian faith and all this kind of stuff. I need to let you know, you never want to be on Team Judas. Whenever you hear Team Judas, just run, okay? And don't ever name your child Judas. Amen? Amen. I don't think I've ever heard a person, child named Judas in the church. Anyway, but verse 4. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor. And by the way, everybody who always talks about the poor, they don't necessarily care about the poor. 
Oh, my Lord, I, this is not even in my notes, but I'm about to go there. There's the, we should be genuinely concerned with the poor. And this church gave a million dollars away last year to the poor. And you saw last week what we're doing on the missions field. But sometimes sanctimonious, hyper-spiritual people will like to throw around their desire for the poor to disguise the fact that they aren't doing squat for the kingdom. Hello. That's Team Judas. You've got to be careful. And watch what Jesus says. Watch what Jesus says. Why wasn't the perfume sold and the money given to the poor? That was Judas. It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief, a keeper of the money bag. He used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Fragrance. Fragrance of commitment and sacrifice is about to permeate this house. And come on, am I the only one excited about it? Come on, church. This is, we should be fired up about what is about to happen next Sunday. And it gives me a chance to say this. If you've ever tithed to this church, if you've ever given any resources to this church, I thought what I would do on this Sunday prior to the grand finale of Hope Rising, I thought I would just show you what is going on? But as we do that, I want you to just hear what C.T. Studd said this. Well, first of all, note this. If Jesus is the noun of the Bible, giving is the what? Giving is the verb. If Jesus is the noun of the Bible, giving is the verb. And so many of you have given so generously to this church. I thought it was worth just kind of showing you how your resources have been being used for the last 12 years in the history of this church. Average attendance at this church. Some of you, you've never seen these numbers. We started in 2002, and we had 226 people. That was after the grand opening. Grand opening Sunday, we had 607 people show up the very first Sunday. Then, like every other church plant, we sifted. We sifted and sifted and sifted till we ended up averaging 226 people. The next year, 288. The next year, 395. I'm not going to read all the numbers. You can read it. And it just keeps building, building, building. Now, I want you to notice something. I want you to notice this line right here. 2010 is when we felt God calling us to multi-site. And we launched our very first campus in Garner, North Carolina. And the skeptic, some people said, that'll never work. Some people said, video teaching, that'll never work. It really didn't work, did it? I think the jury is out. In 2010, we went multi-site. We were at 1,435. Then we went multi-site. Bam! 2,421, 3,031, 4,125. And this year, currently averaging 4,531. Listen, if you, yeah, you can clap for that. But here's the main thing. Thank you. Like if you, if you give to this movement, that should thrill your heart. Right? Let me show you this. This is attendance projections. And uh, again, you can read all the numbers and, and the, the camera ops will, will kind of zoom in for you. But here we are in 2014, 4,512. I asked um, the, the demographics people in our church, the staff that kind of manage all this. I said, give me projected growth out over a few years to 2020 and 2025. Now, I need to let you know, I need to kind of bring you in behind closed doors. They projected some growth numbers based on our current growth trends. 
and I had to scale it back. Call me ye of little faith if you want. But if they just continued the same projected growth that we're currently averaging, these numbers were like twice this big. And I, again, and I'm, you know, God might prove me wrong. And as I said to them in an email, hey, I hope and pray God proves me wrong. But as a church gets bigger, it's harder to maintain that kind of growth trajectory. But I've been saying that for several years and God just kind of keeps up with the same old growth. But anyway, these are conservative numbers. You see it building. In the year 2020, a church of 4,500 now in the year 2020, conservatively speaking, we are going to be a church of 10,993. If you take that on out to 2025, and again, scaled back, very, very conservative, If God continues to bestow favor on us, and it's all God, if God continues to grow his church, I need to say if God's leadership, me and all the staff, lead with integrity and uprightness and and humility before the Lord, if God continues to grow it, we could be a church in 2025, again, conservatively speaking, of 20,000 people. Praise God. Right? Does that excite anybody? Does that excite anybody? Here's something I've been eager to show you. Like, I, I've shown this before too. I think it's important that I show you where the money goes at this church. I think that's only fair that you know. So this is based upon 2014 church budget. This year, we will spend in facilities and operations, and that's all facilities and all operations. These are global numbers that I'm giving you. Our budget this year, 23% of it goes toward facilities and operations. And you might not know whether that's good or bad. I actually can tell you that is unbelievable. Most churches in America spend close to 45 to 55% on mortgages, facilities, and operations. Okay. This number used to be a little bit larger, but we've worked really, really hard to get this percentage down. And as the movement has grown and grown and grown, you need to take delight in the fact that only 23% of our current budget is spent toward facilities and operations. Staffing, that's always an interesting number. We spend this year 41% on pastors and staff. That's all staff at all campuses. I would let you know that's actually a great number, and I am really, really pleased with this. Some churches, particularly small churches, and most of you know this if you've come from a small church, small churches can spend upwards of 70 to 80, sometimes 85% on staffing because they're small, they don't have many people, they've got one senior pastor and usually a part-time pianist. Like, for real. And so it's usually a large, large number. But as this church has continued to grow, we've worked really, really hard to keep that number under 50%. Could not be more pleased with that. And it gives me a chance to say this, by the way. One of the reasons we get to do that is because this church is made up of some incredible lay volunteers. And we couldn't do it without all of you who serve this church week in and week out. Can we give it up for the volunteers? Can we give it up? So this year we'll spend 23% on facilities and operations. We'll spend 41% on staffing and here's the rest. This is everything else that we do. This is all the ministry. This is all the missions. This year's budget, 2014, we will spend 36% 
on ministry and missions. I'm pleased to stand before you as we go into Hope Rising and say we have crafted and we, as a result of your generosity, we are living out one beautiful, evenly divided budget between these three categories with facilities and operations actually shrinking, which excites me, right? Let me give you a few other things. Salvations. Oh my Lord, this doesn't fire you up. I don't know what will. Here we are, 2002, all the way out to 2014. I need to let you know, these years right here, we were horrible at recording salvations. I'm sorry to say that. See, this thing is really wild today. If I get close to it, it I don't even touch it. It goes back. But my technicians can take it back, I'm sure. Salvations. See, would you give it up for those people? They are awesome. I either have a lot of heat coming off my body today, or this thing is a heat sensory deal. Because if I get close, it changes. So I'll stand back a little bit. Here, we, we didn't record salvations very well at all. I didn't ask people to mark their connect cards when they accepted Christ. We didn't do a show of hands at times. We were awful. But my point is this. There were lots of salvations going on right here. But you can see where we started to record it even better. And in 2013, we had 2019 salvations. And this, oh, 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 and this year, like we're not even done with this year we had 2,046 salvations for a total in 12 years of 4,999 salvations that we know about. Last slide, last slide. I, I know that you, some of you love this and some of you are like, okay, enough already. Here we go. Baptisms, baptisms. These are legit. Like the salvations one, like I said, they were, man, we're, we're way off. We, we're under-reporting on those until the last few years. But baptisms we've always recorded. Look at the baptisms of this church. 32, 33, 34, 33, 39. Good Lord, we were in the 30s for a while, right? Every single year. But then we start taking off, start taking baptism very, very serious. Start seeing all these salvations and inviting people into the waters of baptism. And look at what happened. 162, 108, 214, 258, 358, 754 baptisms to date in this year for a total of 2,011 baptisms. <laughs> to which I say, God is good all the time. You know why it's important for you to see that? You know why it's important for you to see that? For God so loved the world that he what? Gave what? That whoever shall not but have. Some of you who are like, I'm not sure about showing all the numbers. Let me tell you something. Every single number matters. Because behind every number is a face. And behind every face is a name. Behind every name is a story. Behind every story is a soul for which Jesus Christ bled, was crucified, was dead, was buried, rose again. Every single number matters. I told you I get excited about the whoever because whoever means whoever. And there's still a lot of whoever's left to reach. That's what hope rising is all about. So let's go get this, church. Next Sunday.
grand finale, commitment Sunday. We are going to step into a God-sized future where God is going to set the trajectory of this church to a level and a plane that we can only hope to imagine. And if we do, the best is yet to come. Amen. Who receives it? Come on now. Who receives it? Amen. 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 Yeah, go ahead and stand to your feet. We'll stay standing. Come on, stand up. All of our campuses, stand to your feet. Let's pray together. We are done. Father, thank you for what you are doing here today. God, thank you for the people who cannot control how excited they are. God, they've already pledged. They're already thinking about it. They're getting ready. God, thank you for the man or the woman who's, they're still trying to figure it out, God. And they need you to speak clearly. God, I also thank you for the man or the woman who is here. And God, they've heard you speak. God, they're scared. You're calling them to step out. They're scared. Fear is a reality. But Father, I thank you that as you taught us last week in Joshua chapter 1, the call upon the church is to be strong and courageous. You tell us in Joshua 1, if we will be strong and courageous, that you will go with us wherever we go. So Father, I pray that your strength and your courage would fall on this church today. Whom shall we fear? To which your word lets us know nobody, no one, nothing. We shall not fear anyone because we fear you, God. So speak to us. Lead us into greatness next week, God. Unleash your power, your anointing, and your kindness upon this church, God, in ways that we can't even imagine, in ways that we haven't seen yet. God, we love you. We thank you that we get to participate in this. Bless your church. Bless your church this day, next week, forevermore. We pray it in the strong, powerful, timeless, and triumphant name of Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen and amen. Hey, we only have one song. I'm glad nobody's jetting for the door. Just stay put. Sing it to the top of your lungs. Let it be more than words on a screen. Might it be your declaration to Almighty God. Hey, we love you at the campuses. We're going to turn it back over to your worship teams as well. Let's sing together, church. Perfect song on this Sunday before October 26. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at newhopenc.org. If you have any prayer requests, please send those to prayers at newhopenc.org and our pastors and staff will stand with you in prayer. 
We hope you'll join us next week. God bless and thank you for being a part of our church family.